for being here. Those of you online this morning, we are glad that you are joining us. We're not at all jealous that you're in the comfy, cozy warmth of your own home this morning, but we are so glad you are here with us. Um, hey, happy Valentine's Day. I know that that's kind of cheesy and silly to say from the platform, and I was thinking about that this morning, but you know what I really love and appreciate? The opportunity to let you know that you're loved. And I think, hey, Valentine's Day might be a, a, a silly holiday to some people, but hey, I just want you to know that you're loved. You're not only loved by myself and your church family, but you are loved by your heavenly Father who created you. And he created you with so much love. And so I hope you know that this morning. And I just wanted to remind you of that. Um, I want to invite you to prepare your hearts for worship this morning. Would you just pause and prepare? And I want to share with you from Psalm chapter 16, and I'm going to read verses 5, 7, and 9. It says, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I will keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. I pray this morning that your heart is glad and that you can rejoice before the Lord in praise and song this morning. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we are grateful to be in this place. Lord, we thank you for meeting us here. We are excited and anticipating the word that you have for us, but first, God, we pause to worship you in song. I pray, Lord, that you would be present here among us this morning, and I pray, God, that our hearts would be tuned to yours, that our hearts would be still and open to receive a word from you. Receive our praise this morning. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. With a heart that is still just in the attitude of worship and prayer, I just want to invite us to pray corporately this morning and just want to remind you that there is a lot going on in the life of our congregation. There are a lot of, of our friends carrying heavy burdens today. And um, this passage has been on my mind all week. Uh, Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus invites us to come to those who are heavy burdened and weary. And I don't know about you, but I often find myself feeling very weary. And I know that there are friends of ours whose hearts are heavy this week. And they're trying to carry these incredibly heavy burdens. We continue to remember those who have lost loved ones. And um, we, we are continuing to pray for Aaron. Um, his grandmother, Bernice, has, has passed. And, and we are covering his family in prayer. They are dealing with incredible loss. We are praying for Ralph and for his family as they deal with his, his father being in the hospital, suffering from this hemorrhage, this brain hemorrhage. And I don't know about you, but when I hear about these burdens, it just makes my heart feel so heavy. And especially as a pastor, there's just things that I want to say. I want to help comfort. But at the same time, I'm at a complete loss for words. I have no words. My words are insufficient. And so it's in those moments where I feel the Lord softly speaking to my heart and reminding me, that's not your job. That's mine. Bring those heavy burdens because guess what? I can carry those for you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And so with this in mind, I want to invite you to pray this morning. And remember your friends and church family who are dealing with a lot. And I know you yourself are probably dealing with a lot too. So would you just join me in prayer this morning as we bring these things before the throne? Heavenly Father, we, we are heavy-hearted and burdened this morning. Lord, I, I, I feel that our congregation as a whole, we are just dealing with insurmountable loss. And we feel that for our brothers and sisters, and we carry that this morning. Lord, our hearts are heavy for them. And we just want so, so badly to be able to bring comfort in some way. And that's such a challenge in these times. But God, you are faithful in your love and in your reminder that it's in these moments when we are at our weakest that we see your strength in such new and powerful ways. We are reminded in these incredibly difficult moments that there is so much that we can't bear on our own. We, we come to the end of our rope and we, we often throw our hands up and we just say, God, I can't do this. I can't carry this. It's too much. And it's often in those moments of brokenness, complete brokenness and surrender that you remind us, I know you can't carry this, but I can. So God, I just pray that as we come this morning before you, hearts heavy, Burdens heavy, God, I just pray that you would help us to find true rest in your presence. God, I just, I pray that, that in this moment as we, 
just pause and sit at your feet. That we could just breathe in your new life and the new ways that you want to sustain us in ways that you maybe haven't before. Ways that we haven't experienced before. So God, I just pray that you would hold those dear this morning who are grieving, whose hearts are heavy and broken. God, we we know that you are capable of carrying these burdens and we thank you for showing up in very real ways to help us through these difficult times. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your precious reminders that there is so much we can't get through on our own and we find our need for our loving Savior who walks with us on the mountaintops, but also in the valleys. Thank you for being with us in the valleys. Lord, I just pray that as we open up your word this morning, I pray, God, that you would speak to us. I pray, Lord, that these words that I have prepared, that they would, that they would just be an echo of, of your words. I pray that you would teach us this morning, correct us if needed, Just continue to help us to be the community that you've called us to be. God, we love you. We give you our thanks and our praise for being so good to us. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen and amen. Well, this morning, we are going to be wrapping up our series This series called Community, we are going to um, wrap that right up today, but I just want to remind you or or just let you know that the discussion of what it means to be a spirit-filled community does not end here. This is only the beginning, and we have paused for the past few weeks to just break this down and, and, and really see what this looked like and what it can look like for us, and so the discussion is in a way just beginning. And there's so much that I want to say today that just didn't fit in with this sermon. And so I may be shooting out a few emails this week, or at least one, to just kind of wrap up some other thoughts that kind of go along with this. But we are still going to be looking at what it means for us to reflect the spirit-filled community that we see in Acts chapter 2. So don't worry, that's not going away. But we are finishing up this particular series today. Um, that we began this series on week one, where we looked at in verse 42, uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, where Luke says that they, the uh, believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. We broke those down both in week one. We looked at the believers' uh, devotion to the apostles' teaching, but we also uh, talked about how important the teaching is, but also the testimony, that, that we ought to do something with that teaching, and we ought to share that with other people. We talked about uh, uh, last week, or well, week one, we talked about fellowship as well. We talked about how as spirit-filled people, we are to open up our table to the other, kind of our metaphorical table. We are to invite others into our spirit-filled fellowship, because we know that they are hungry for that. 
And then last week, we, we looked at the actual table, the, the physical table, the breaking of bread, and, and we talked about how the apostles held dearly this practice of breaking bread, both uh, just in a normal meal, but also celebrating together and coming to, to the communion table to uh, recognize the Lord's Supper and, and Holy Communion, that these are, are two very important components when it comes to the life of the church. We had a beautiful uh, time of communion last week coming together to the table. And so this week we are talking about the believer's devotion to prayer. And so I'm going to invite you to stand one final time as we read this passage this morning. Uh, you might have it memorized by now, and, and I hope maybe it's sticking a little bit more than it, than it did before. So let's read uh, Acts 2, 42 through 47. Follow along. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So this week we're looking at prayer, the believer's devotion to prayer. I wonder if Luke saved the best for last or the most important for last. I don't know. I think they're all important. That's why they're each given specific attention in verse 42. But, but I certainly, it wasn't lost on me the importance of prayer. And as I, as I studied that this week, I recognized the importance of prayer when it comes to being a spirit-filled church. That word that Luke uses, that word prayer, it, it refers simply to the prayers or in, in some cases, it referred to the place of prayer. We cannot overlook the Jewish context of this text today that the apostles and the believers were certainly devoted to praying, the sacred act of praying, but they were also very devoted to going to the temple together to pray. That was sacred to them. And, and we know that, that when Jesus came and through his life, death, and resurrection, we know that we don't have to be in a specific place at a specific time to pray. We know that we can pause at any moment and pray and worship our Father. But we also know that, that this was still important in the Jewish context, that they held dearly their devotion to going to the temple together to pray. And God honored that devotion. God saw that, and he honored that, and he showed up in that. That was essential. Uh, that was an essential part of the Jewish culture, and so we can't really overlook that. But, but Luke is really emphasizing here, what he's really emphasizing here is the believer's unity and devotion to prayer. It was crucial. It was an essential part of who they were as a spirit-filled church, being devoted to prayer. See, what I want you to hear this morning is that prayer is essential in the life of a believer. In the life of a spirit-filled community, prayer is absolutely essential. And I think we would all agree with that, but this is where some tension comes into play. Because oftentimes, even though we would say and agree that prayer is essential, that it oftentimes is our weakest discipline. 
I don't know about you, I hope I'm not alone in that, but prayer is, is oftentimes the area of my spiritual life that can sometimes be pushed to the back burner. In fact, I felt seen and heard as I was reading a book this week, and the, the pastor, the author of the book, he said, I wish I prayed as much as I talked about the importance of prayer. And that felt a little convicting. We talk a lot about the importance of prayer, but oftentimes it's the weakest part of our, of our walk, of our spiritual life. Our prayer life is often anemic. There was an, author, uh, an American author by the name of E.M. Bounds, and, and he, uh, I read this quote from him that I feel like kind of explains why this tends to be the weakest part of our walk with the Lord. That, that oftentimes the church has, has overemphasized programs, we've overemphasized productivity, we've overemphasized even sometimes the preaching portion, and we've overemphasized what we can do. What can we do better? What can we add to the service to make it more attractive and better? What can we do as people? What plans can we make to make this all better? And I feel like E.M. Bounds, even though it was a while ago, he spoke to this and said, no, no, no. What the church needs today is more prayer. The church needs men and women who are devoted to prayer. You don't need more programs. He called it, he said, you don't need more machinery. You don't need better. You need men and women of prayer. You don't need more novel methods. You need men mighty in prayer. He says the Holy Ghost does not flow through methods, but through men of prayer. And so I often wonder if we've replaced prayer with programs and methods. What we can do what's productive for us in our eyes. And so prayer often gets put on the back burner. Now, we aren't suggesting that the Holy Spirit is not present in our plans. We're not suggesting that the Holy Spirit is not there when we make plans and when we try to do things to our best ability. The Holy Spirit is in that, and the Holy Spirit certainly anoints that. But prayer has to come first. Prayer has to fuel everything we do, otherwise it will probably fall and I think that's what we have to recognize. And, and so in Acts, we see this challenge that, that prayer wasn't what came later. Prayer wasn't an afterthought. It's what came first. And all throughout the book of Acts, you see mighty things done in the name of the Lord. And prayer was often before those things. Prayer took place before those things. I read this week that there are at least 30 references in the book of Acts alone to prayer. And so I, I went through the book of Acts quickly this week again, and I just wanted to highlight a few of the incredible things we see in the book of Acts and remind you that prayer was certainly involved. We see um, in, in Acts chapter 1, right out of the gate, right after Jesus' ascension, what did Jesus tell them to do before he ascended? He said, go and wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. And what did they do? They immediately left and, and they went to the upper room. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, Luke tells us, when they went upstairs to the room where they were staying, those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. They joined together and were constantly in prayer. 
And then what do we see that happens in Acts chapter 2? The Holy Spirit comes. They experience the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. This prayer preceded the day of Pentecost. We see later on in Acts chapter 4 in response to persecution. Ooh, that's when persecution begins to break out. We see that a lot in the book of Acts. And so Peter and John, upon being released from, from jail in Acts chapter 4, Luke says, when the believers heard this, that, that James and John were, or Peter and John were being put in jail, they, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God, and they said, Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and earth and sea and everything in them. And then later on, he says, after they prayed, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. See, through prayer, the church was strengthened in their difficult moments. We see later in chapter 6. I love how we see in chapter 6 that, that the believers, the disciples said, we need a prayer ministry because we're beginning to do a lot of things for other people. This ministry is growing and the needs are growing and we're tending to those needs. But we don't need to take away from the prayer. We don't need everyone busy with the doing. We need some that are, that are still going to continue to pray for this ministry. And so in chapter 6, essentially what you have is people devoted specifically to a prayer ministry where their responsibility was to pray for the church, to pray for the ministry that was before them. And through their faithful prayers, this ministry is sustained. We see in chapter 7, as Stephen, the first Christian martyr, is being stoned to death, what does he do? He stops and he prays. And he doesn't just pray for himself, like, God, help me to deal with this. God, help me to, to, you know, he doesn't even stop and pray for himself, but he stops and he prays for those that are killing him, those who are stoning him. He prays over them. And do you know who is among those people that he's praying for? Saul. Saul, who would later be known as Paul, is the recipient of Stephen's prayers. And so I love to think about this idea that as, as Saul is, is along on, the, on his way, and, and he is met by Jesus, and he has this radical salvation experience, I like to think that Stephen's prayers came before that. Stephen prayed for Saul, who was persecuting him. Prayer was needed for those that were being persecuted. And then finally, I could go on and on, but finally in chapter 8, I love this too, the apostles begin to hear that the gospel is spreading to Samaria. And we know the tension between Jews and Samaritans. But, but as they hear that the gospel is spreading to Samaria, Peter and John are going. And as they're going, they pray that the believers would not just receive salvation, but that they would receive the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit would come upon them as well. And guess what? He did. He did. Prayer is what was needed so that believers could grow deeper and experience God in new and powerful ways. We could go on and on, but the book of Acts is full of moments of prayer. Prayer was a part of their inception, and it was a part of who they were to the very end. You see, prayer preceded powerful works. Prayer preceded the sharing of the gospel. Prayer preceded these incredible healings that take place. 
Prayer preceded these salvations, these baptisms in the Holy Spirit. Prayer preceded this miraculous intervention that we see in the book of Acts. Prayer preceded the unity that we see among the believers. Prayer preceded the ability to withstand persecution. Prayer is essential in the life of a spirit-filled community. My question for us is, do we find this to be true in our own lives and churches? Do we find this to be true? Because again, going back to what I shared at the beginning, I think sometimes, and I'm speaking very generally here, I'm not suggesting that that we all stink at praying and that that's the weakest part of all of us. I'm just saying that I think sometimes, I know it's true for myself that I just find that prayer is often pushed to the back burner. Or if I do stop and pray, I'm focused on me, 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 my needs, my wants, my desires. All the while I am abandoning the call to pray continually for the ministry, for the work of God, for the kingdom work that you and I are a part of. I think sometimes we lose sight of the importance of prayer when it comes to being a community on mission with God. But of course, God in his tender mercy and kindness, he softly and gently reminds me. He finds ways to meet me and reminds me, hey, I see you, I see what you have going on in your life, but don't abandon, don't abandon your prayer for my mission and for the church. God finds ways to remind us and, and points us back to being people of prayer, men and women of prayer. I want to remind you today that prayer is essential. That if we are going to be a spirit-filled community, if, if we want incredible things to happen if we want to be that church and then those people those christians who are able to go out and tell these incredible stories of what god has done we must first be people of prayer and that is essential and i want to remind you too that god honors god honors our steadfast prayer and moves in response to our steadfast prayers as I shared with you, the early church took seriously their dedicated time of prayer. And, and I, don't, I don't look at it as rigid and, oh, we have to do this. We, we have to be here at a certain time. I think they, they desired to be together at the temple praying. They were always craving more of God. They, we, we very rarely see them just complacent and just standing around saying, well, what should we do now? But they were always longing to be in the presence of God. And so they would go together to the temple to pray. And I love how God met them in the routine of it all. Uh, we read in Acts chapter 3, that as John and Peter are going to pray, as they are holding true to their specific times of prayer at the temple, they're on their way to church, if you will, and they meet a man who is standing outside the temple, a lame man who is longing to be healed and restored. And I love how in the midst of their dedication to going to the temple to pray, God provides them with an opportunity to show the power of Jesus Christ as they pray over this lame man and he is indeed healed and restored. See, sometimes prayer does need to be intentional and structured. I know for me, if there's a specific um, thing that I'm wanting to lift up faithfully to God and, and I, it's so important that I just don't want to forget it, I will oftentimes set a reminder on my phone to pray over a specific thing. And, and so I thought this week, I thought, 
Sometimes prayer does need to be intentional, and we just have to, it's a discipline, and so we have to do things that will help us to be faithful in our time of prayer. And so I thought this week, and I felt challenged, what if, what if we all set an alarm on our phones for 2.42 p.m., and we just paused at 2.42 p.m. or 2.42 a.m., if you're that kind of person, I will not be praying at 2.42 a.m., unless God wakes me up, and then I will. But what if we all set an alarm for 2.42 p.m., and, and at 2.42 p.m., we pause in the midst of our day and just pray for the ministry that, that God has called us to? What would happen if we all collectively paused and we were intentional with this moment and prayed over the ministry of the church, the future of the church, because I am constantly reminded that in these days that we are in, in a, in a post-COVID time, as we move forward, the church is in need of, of prayer when it comes to what is our vision? What does this look like to be a church in a post-quarantine world? And we can't miss opportunities to pray for what that looks like for us. Tom Rayner, who is um, a pastor, CEO of Lifeway, author, he wrote this short book that I just finished reading, and in it he says, the post-quarantine church is moving into a time of pervasive and powerful prayer. And to miss that opportunity is to miss a clear movement of God. Wow, that was, that was heavy on my heart as I read that. And so I'm just throwing that out there as a way for us to be more intentional. What if we did that? What if we set our alarms at 242? That's a way that, that prayer can, can be more intentional. But I also want to remind you that, that while prayer should and can be intentional and structured, it should also be spontaneous. It should be spontaneous. It should be a regular part of our everyday life. We should be in constant communication with God and it should be spontaneous as we are responding to what God is doing, as we are responding to needs that, that come up during the day. Prayer is often just a moment where we sense what God is doing, and we see this in Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, Peter is, is, is going to a roof in a, in, of a house in the city of Joppa, and we see that behind the scenes, God is doing something. God is already speaking to Cornelius, and God is about to really change something big in Peter's life. He's about to flip upside down everything that Peter has ever known. And before, before we read about that incredible moment, this dream that Peter has, I won't get into all that, but Peter pauses and takes a moment to go find a roof to pray on. I think it was a little bit spontaneous. He's in a city that he's, that he's just coming into, and he finds a place of solitude, and I sense that he's responding to something that God is doing, and so in this spontaneous moment, he finds himself alone with God in prayer. And God reveals himself in a great way through this spontaneous moment of prayer. He flips Peter's world upside down. And so regardless whether it's structured or spontaneous, Prayer is essential in the life of a spirit-filled community. It's not optional, but it's essential. Do our lives reflect this? Do our lives reflect not an optional time of prayer, but essential time of prayer? I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. And as they do, we're going to prepare to sing this final song and 
And I just want to remind you that, that the apostles, the believers' dedication to prayer wasn't some great idea they came up with on their own. Right? They, didn't, they didn't just come up with on their own and say, I think that, that we should make it important that there are times where we are, are focusing on prayer. But instead, what they were doing is they modeled what Jesus showed them. They were living in response to how Jesus lived. Jesus showed them what it looked like to be in constant communication with the Father. Jesus didn't do anything before talking to the Father. He found places of solitude to withdraw from the crowds, to be with his Father. And the church simply modeled this. Hal Perkins, who you may know, you may have heard of Hal Perkins. He writes some great books about what it looks like to be discipled by Jesus and walk with Jesus. And I'll always remember this line that I read in, in, his, in one of his books. He says, since Jesus spent much time alone with his father and we are his followers, how important is it for us to set aside time to be with our father? It's not optional. It's essential. And so I just want to challenge you this morning to think about and consider what does your prayer life look like? Would you say that your prayer life is robust? That, that, that you feel like you are able to, in this season of life, dedicate a good deal of time to prayer? And if you, if you say, yes, my prayer life feels, yeah, it can always get better and there's not too much praying that can be done. But if you feel like your prayer life is robust, I want to encourage you, don't waver. Don't fall from that. Continue to remain steadfast in prayer. But maybe you might say, well, my prayer life could use a little bit of attention. I've been particularly busy and distracted lately, and it could use a little bit of attention. I just pray that you will do something the, the idea that I threw out was just one idea, but do something to make it more intentional. Do something that can help you remember to give it more attention. And maybe some of us would just admit and confess today, my prayer life has been weak and it desperately needs revitalized. Can I just let you know that you're not alone in that? That we all find ourselves there from time to time? But God in his loving mercy and grace reminds us how important it is. And so as we sing this song in response, I just want to invite you to pray to God and ask him to help you with this and ask him to show us what it looks like to be a spirit-filled community who finds prayer essential. And I just invite you to respond to how the Lord is speaking to you this morning. Stand and sing with us this morning.
Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for hearing our hearts this morning, and it is our desire, God. I have no doubt that it's the desire of every person in this room, Lord, to have a prayer life that is robust, to have a prayer life that is focused and intentional, that, God, before we move forward to do anything, that we would first pause and pray about what it is you would have us do. God, that goes for us as individuals, but it also goes for us as a church, as a community of spirit-filled believers that, that we ought to dedicate so much time and attention to prayer. God, help us with this as, as we live in a society where I find that it's just so difficult because our minds are, are almost, it feels like our minds are created to just be productive. We always need to be doing something and to pause and to, to meditate on your word and to spend moments where we are just still and silent. It's like the world has told us that that's unproductive. And our minds oftentimes have trouble just pausing. It's always going. It's always retaining information. And so it's difficult in these times, Lord, to be still and to pause and to pray. So God, I just pray that you would help us with this. Lord, I pray that in those moments that we are intentional, in those moments where we dedicate time to you, I pray, Lord, that you would meet us in great and powerful ways. Lord, I pray that, that we would be a spirit-filled community that reflects this truth that prayer is essential. I pray that prayer would be essential for those of us here at BFCN, and I pray that it shows. I pray that, that you would do great, incredible things among us, that when the world on the outside looks in, says, wow, look at what God is doing. And I pray that that would be a, a response and a result of our prayer life, both individually and as a body. 
Lord, I pray that you would help us in the days ahead as we are discovering what it looks like to be a church in a post-pandemic, post-quarantine, post-COVID world. We know that it's probably going to look different, and for a lot of us, that is scary. For a lot of us, that makes us feel uncomfortable. And so, God, I just pray that, that before we, we take on those feelings of anxiety, I pray, Lord, that we would just pause and lift that up to you and give that to you so that you would give us an imagination for what it looks like to be a church that is missional and effective in a post-COVID world. Lord, thank you for hearing our hearts, our desires this morning. Lord, we love you, and we pray all of this in the name of Jesus, who is capable of helping us and hearing us. And everyone said, amen and amen. You may be seated. Just a few more things before we leave this morning. You know, it's, it's just, it's wonderful when, when the sermon series and the sermons that you plan line up with, with things that are coming up. And so it's just so great that this sermon and this series lined up against the season of Lent. Because the season of Lent begins this Wednesday with Ash Wednesday. And, and I just think that there's something so beautiful about the season of Lent, and prayer is just one small part of that. But I think if nothing else, that Lent can certainly be a time of spiritual renewal. Amen? And, and I know that, that this time of year, we're, we're coming close to a year since all of the world kind of got flipped upside down. And, and I know that we are in desperate need of a spiritual renewal. And so, so I want to invite you into the season of Lent that begins on Wednesday. And I just want to invite you to prayerfully consider what the Lord wants to do in your own heart and in your own life throughout this intentional time. The church is going to be, uh, if you want, we're participating in this devotional that the Foundry has put out called Sacred Invitation. And I think that's so perfect because that's exactly what Lent is. It's a sacred invitation. You and I are being invited to join Jesus on this journey to the cross. And this can be a wonderful time of spiritual renewal. So if you haven't already picked up one of those books, I want to invite you to do so. As a church, we are going to be reading that together. And then so here's what you can expect during the season of Lent. So on Ash Wednesday, this Wednesday, we are going to have an Ash Wednesday service at 6.30 p.m. That'll be both here in person as long as the weather cooperates, but it will also be online. So you can join us online if you're not able to be here in person. And, and so we'll just have a, a, it'll look very similar to what your service looked like last year. And it's just going to be a beautiful time of, of intentional prayer and preparation for the season of Lent. And then following our Ash Wednesday service, each Wednesday throughout the remainder of, of the season of Lent, we will gather online at 6.30 through Zoom to talk about what we are reading as a church together in the Sacred Invitation devotional. And I hope, my, my vision and my hope for this time is it's not going to be a time of teaching where I'm just talking at you, but I hope it's a time where we can collectively share the wonderful things that God is teaching us and doing in our lives during this intentional time. So I want to invite you onto this journey with us. Would you journey with us throughout the season of Lent, praying that it's a time of spiritual renewal, a time of, of revitalization, revitalization for ourselves and for the church as a whole. Amen?
Thank you for joining us on that. I also want to remind you this morning um, to turn in your mosaic baby bottles. And if you don't have those with you today, I'm sure you could swing by and, and bring those by the office sometime this week. Don't forget the alabaster offering will be taken through the remainder of the month of February, and that box is in the foyer. And um, I also want to remind you that if you do come by the office this week, they will be closed tomorrow in observance of President's Day, but we will be here uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday if you want to bring those by. And finally this morning, I just want to remind you that um, you can give online if you are not able to be here with us. There's all these giving options. Of course, you can drop your, your tithes and offerings in the plate as you exit the sanctuary. And brothers and sisters in Christ, I just want you to leave this place knowing that you are loved. And I'm excited to journey with you throughout this time coming up, the season of Lent. And so, so brothers and sisters in Christ, I pray that you will leave this place in the name of our Lord and Savior. And I pray that you would go this week and be people filled with prayer. Amen? Amen. Amen.